everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist and I'm joined today by Lauren Orsini and Miranda Sanchez, if you would like to introduce yourselves. Sure. Hi, I'm Lauren Orsini. Sometimes you'll find me in the background of Anime Feminist working on tech um, updates and things like that. I also write for my own blog, Otaku Journalist, as well as my blog for Forbes and I do reviews for Anime News Network. Hi, I'm Miranda Sanchez. I am an editor at IGN. I pretty much run our anime content, although I haven't gotten to produce too much lately. Um, I'm usually the one responsible to make sure at least reviews get picked or picked up, um, and then sometimes produce anime things. <laughs> Miranda's drastically underplaying herself here, but it's all right, because <laughs> we're going to dig into this in a minute. <laughs> so what we're looking at today is how to become an anime writer and what you can expect from it. So most people who write in anime fandom are straight cisgender white men. This is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be. It absolutely doesn't have to be. So the three of us, obviously, not men. And we've all come into anime writing from a different perspective. So these days, Lauren is a freelancer, freelance writer alongside the web development work that she does. And we that we make much use of an anime feminist. Thank you, as always, for your work there, Lauren. <laughs> no problem. But Lauren has built up a name for herself as a freelance writer across different organizations. Miranda, of course, works at IGN, but she actually commissions writing and works with writers. Um, And of course, at Anime Feminist, I am kind of in charge of an organization that does commission and pay writers, Um, but I also freelance write myself. So we have kind of varying perspectives and it is so important for there to be diverse voices within any kind of writing, let's be honest. Um, Anime writing is our sphere. So we're hopefully gonna give you some insights that if you are not a cisgender heterosexual white man listening to this and you've always wanted to become an anime writer, hopefully we'll give you the kind of knowledge and confidence that you you need to feel like you can go ahead and try that. And if you're a cis-head white guy who also wants to do that, you're very welcome to make use of these tips too. So. For starters, I'd just like to look at how each of us became an anime writer. So, I mean, from my perspective, I started very recently, only a year and a half ago, I think. I started actually being involved in anime fandom again. (laughs) And I just pitched to magazines and websites and I got positive responses back and I wrote for them. And then from that, I got um, a couple of regular gigs writing for monthly magazines. So I write for Neo Magazine in the UK and Otaku USA in in the US. I've also written for magazines uh, Geeky Monkey in the UK and Bingebox, neither of which is around anymore, unfortunately. Um, Print media on the way out. I don't recommend that as like (laughs) your your target for a living wage. Unfortunately. Exactly. But there are plenty of online outlets as well. So I've written for the Mary Sue, as we know. and I would be quite happy to write for other outlets if I hadn't ended up directing my attentions towards anime (laughs) feminist rather than my own writing career. Whereas Lauren, you are very much a freelance writer. Your speed of writing is incredible. I have been in Google Docs where I've watched you write and you are so fast. You flatter me. (laughs) No, 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 it's so true. And (laughs) you also write for a number of different outlets and you have recurring work. So if you could just talk a bit about how you became involved in that. Sure. The very first time I ever wrote about anime for a publication was for my student newspaper in college. I went to one of my very first anime conventions, Katsukon, which is held in uh, north of Virginia, or was at the time. Now it's in Maryland. And so I I went there, I interviewed people, and then I uh, put it in the student paper. I also did a preview for it for um, the local paper that I was interning for. From there, I was an intern at Kotaku, which was mostly video game stuff, not anime stuff, but it was still it's still pretty niche. niche. And then um, I was writing for free for Japanator, concurrently with my own blog, Otaku Journalist, which is eight years old this fall. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. That, yeah, so that was eight years ago. That was just kind of breaking in and I was weighing the pros and cons of writing for free. And I was thinking, I don't want to write for free about stuff I don't care that much about, but I will write (laughs) for free about anime if it gives me clips that are anime related. And eventually that really paid off when I wanted to 
write for Anime News Network, and they wanted to see clips of previous anime ratings I've done. And now I've been a reviewer and features writer at Anime News Network for three years now as, you know, the one girl at Anime News Network, as they call us. This this happens all the time. Wow. Commenters will angrily say... Uh, Rebecca, your last your last re- review on this was just so wrong. And Rebecca will be like, I didn't write that. Lauren wrote that. And I'll be like, no, I didn't write it. Lindsay wrote it. You know, the one girl <laughs> at Anime yep. News Network. It, she's just one interchangeable girl. Her opinions are not very good. But she is surprisingly prolific. About as prolific <laughs> as, say, five or six women writers. That's amazing. You're so talented. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot about her. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Miranda, has that been your experience too? I mean, I'm guessing within video games writing, which I know you do some of as well, there's there's not a whole lot of women in your position. Yeah, so fortunately at IGM, we actually do have a lot more women on staff than most games places. Um, that wasn't the way it was when I started it. When I started it, it was me, Naomi Kyle, Megan Sullivan, and I believe that was it for like kind of the editorial video, um, with the exception of some video editors that would sometimes appear on shows. But then since then, we've definitely picked up a lot more women on staff. Um, but we definitely had that problem of like, oh, this isn't Naomi. Who is this woman? It's just like, I've worked here for years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just definitely a thing that happens as well. But um, yes, I am primarily a games writer, um, but anime is like also my thing like they're like oh yeah if you need anime it's Miranda just go over there I'm like yeah hey how, what do you need <laughs> and just to be clear this is a salaried position right you yes. are an employee yes. of IGN so you're in a slightly different position from a freelancer so how did you get into that position where you write for a living now so I actually got there through freelancing surprise <laughs> um not surprised <laughs> yeah right um that's actually the key to getting a full-time job is freelancing i mean at least that's what i've kind of come to see as a trend from working at ign for a few years um so i started freelancing in college um but prior to that i had been writing my own blog since early high school late middle school like i've always 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 been writing and um kind of working on my own clips for games particularly and it wasn't until a little before i started my job uh, full-time at ign that i actually started doing anime writing Um, Before that, I had talked about anime a bunch on podcasts and had ideas about what I wanted to talk about with anime, but I had mostly just been focusing on games writing. Um, So then when I got at IGN, I said, hey, you need someone to write about anime because your anime coverage isn't very good and it's really important. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, you can do that. And so I've just kind of tried to slowly build this like whole anime coverage plan that unfortunately kind of dips when I get too busy. Um, but we're getting back into that right now. So, um, but to get into freelancing, uh, what I did was, like I said, I kind of worked on my own blog, my own samples. I went, went through the uh, journalism course in my college and high school and all of it. Every journalism thing I could do, I did. And uh, essentially just submitted clips when IGN was asking for news freelancers and then I got in. That's great. And I just, I want to be clear with people that like just because both Lauren and, and Miranda were writing for years doesn't mean that's the only way in. Mm-mm. Like you can like I was completely unknown a year and a half ago and I managed to get work pretty much as soon as I pitched. So that's that's one thing I really want to get across in this podcast is just how accessible this is. I don't think you realize until you start it and you realize how hungry editors are for your work. They absolutely want freelancers to approach them and say, I'm reliable. I can write with decent spelling and grammar. I'm interested in your subject and I'm willing to write stuff for you at a good quality in short periods of time. That is the dream, right? It, it just makes me want to cry. I just like, <laughs> oh, reliable with good grammar and spelling. <laughs> uh, that, so seriously, it's like so pitch Miranda, right? <laughs> yes, it's like, it's so important. Um, the, the problem is that a lot of times when I get pitch or receive pitches, there are just so many grammatical errors in the pitch and I'm like this is already a big old warning sign for me because you know obviously we only have so much time to edit and I'm happy to work with people who are just trying to break in but I also can't spend two hours working with the first edit yeah yeah let's Miranda that reminds me though of how I got my internship at Kotaku yeah Um, basically I just instead of sending them a um 
a pitch. I just sent them a fully written article. I had been at Anime Boston, and I got the chance to interview Nobuo Uematsu, Ooh. the um, you know the composer of a lot of Final Fantasy games. Yeah. And I just wrote something on it, and I was thinking of putting it up on my blog. And then I thought, you know, I really want this internship at Kotaku. So I wrote to Kotaku, and I'm like, I wrote this whole article on Nobuo Uematsu. Uh, I, if I get the internship, I'd love to just give this to you. And that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's how I got it. Like, yeah. just having something pre-written. Yeah, I'm because not surprised. It's less work for them. I mean, I guess you have to think about editors as people who have limited hours in the day and just want to get stuff up on their site. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I would say, though, you want to know your publication. So yes. for Anime Feminist, for example, we, we work quite differently with writers. Um, as Lauren knows firsthand, I know you've edited a few things. Um, and we absolutely welcome people who have never written anything. We, it's important to us to be a platform for marginalized perspectives. So if you're from a marginalized community, there's a chance that you've just been put off blogging about anime because it can be hostile at times and you can see things that make you worry that you'll draw negative attention to yourself and so on. And we want to be a platform where people feel like they can really take those first steps as a writer. If, if again, if you are, already writing to a decent standard and you you have an interesting perspective and you have something to say that we think our readers will want to hear you still have to hit a certain baseline but when you're on board you're on board and we will work with you however we do not tend to accept completed pieces and we say quite clearly in our contributor guidelines that we expect to work with you from the outline stage and we lay it all out and my biggest red flag for contributors is actually when people get in touch with me and say hey what how do I pitch what do I do and <laughs> we've got these whole guidelines on our site. If you visit our site and you'll look at the stuff there, you will know what you need to do because we've told you in detail. It's actually way too long an article. I've been meaning to go back and revise it and make it a bit more, like a bit clearer and easier. But I'll tell you something, the people who approach me and say, hey, how do I pitch? All men. Mm. It is all men. And the people who I actually want to, like the voices that I actually want to prop up and support and give a platform is usually not men. So it's it's a case of, okay, you already were a lower priority for me. There's definitely some self-selection in this. Like they, <laughs> there are studies about how women will not apply for something unless they're yes. 100% sure that their skills are there. That is exactly the message I want to get across because you know these these it's not like I blacklist these people I send them along to D and I just say I say all the information's on our site or if it's an email then I'll forward the email to D and she can deal with it and she deals with it extremely professionally and it's it's not my call anymore so you know people who do this they're not getting a black mark against themselves or anything but it makes a a worse first impression on me. Oh yeah. Um and I think just knowing your publication and kind of seeing what have they already said to contributors Go and see that. Do exactly what they ask you to do. And different outlets will have different standards and different requirements. That's certainly such a frustrating thing. Um, sometimes we'll receive pitches or just samples of things as part of a pitch or part of a thing we ask people. It's like, hey, can you write a new story just to see how you would do with us if you could just kind of have a first test. And it's always so frustrating to see different style things that like IGN would never do. And then it just kind of indicates to me is like you've never really read anything on our site. If yes. you know we don't italicize a certain thing, or we don't editorialize our news, or we don't do this certain thing, um, and it's just really yeah. frustrating to see that like from freelancers. It's just like kind of feels like they're wasting our time in a way. Um, if you're not having enough respect to like look at the site and see what basic requirements we have for our writers. Yeah, like as a freelancer, I've definitely seen this weeding out happen. Like, yeah. I just applied for a a, a gig, and the, it said, when you email us with your pitches, make the title of the email Princess Banana Hammock. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, okay, that's weird, but I did that. And they were like, you won't believe how many people didn't read that and didn't put that as their as their title. And that was how they, you know narrowed down who they wanted to work with, people who could read the instructions. I mean, I'm not terribly surprised because we have people who pitch Anime Feminist on things that we've already covered, for example. It's oh, like, yeah. you didn't take two seconds to, to do a search. And like, our site is not the most search friendly, I get it, but Google has a very sophisticated search function which you can use to search within individual sites and to just like not take the time to do that. 
it's a, it can be a bit frustrating. Um, and again, it's just about making a, a good first impression. You want there to be no strikes against you, and you want to you want to know that, like, have the confidence that the people reading your email are going to be wanting to give you work. And we've already said editors are hungry for good freelancers. You don't want them to think that you're not a good freelancer when you get in touch. I've definitely made that mistake too. Um, I was at a disability conference here in DC. And I ended up talking to a bunch of sex workers who exclusively work with the disabled. And I thought, that's very unusual. That, that, that seems like a very unusual, unique story. And I pitched it to Vice, because I thought Vice would cover it. And they're like, yeah, we've already written two articles about um, sex workers who work exclusively wow. with the disabled. Mm. <laughs> I should have just checked. But yeah. they're like, of course Vice has two different articles on that already. And, you know, I say this, I've also made this mistake. There was one time I pitched a magazine with um, an article on something that they'd covered the previous month. So <laughs> it can be a bit more difficult with print media because I didn't have a copy of the magazine to mm -hmm. hand, but it wouldn't have been that, it wouldn't have taken up that much time. Basically, I was just being really impulsive. I was like, I want to get in touch with them as soon as possible. It's fine. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, they were so desperate for people to write for them that they didn't, like, they overlooked that little faux pas. But... <laughs> Not everyone will, yeah. and I think it's worth keeping in mind. And even if you think that your your pitch is fairly unique, it, it's it, yeah. Check if at all possible, and also to see if it's been covered by any major organization. Like, I mean, if we've even with anime feminists, like if there's a feminist relevant topic that's been covered on Crunchyroll or it's been covered on ANN recently, unless your your take is is, is a, a different perspective, we probably won't look to feature it. I mean, people tend to pitch us multiple things and if we don't like that one, we can pick something else. But, you know, give yourself as many options as possible. Okay, let's look, we've, we've accidentally gone through <laughs> something that I intended to go through later, but I think that's really important what the red flags are when you receive pitches. And it's pretty straightforward, have decent spelling, decent grammar, pitch on stuff that you're confident hasn't been, hasn't been done recently, at least, or on an online publication, maybe like, within the last five years or so. Um, oh, that's probably a bit much, three years, four years. But, and uh, also make sure that it's within the expected tone and style of the publication. You're covering stuff that they might have covered anyway with a different freelancer. Mm -hmm. So now let's look at the actual process for it. Any advice that we have on pitching, how to do this? Because pitching is how you tend to get work and you can be a complete unknown and have a good pitch and get work. Again, it's really accessible, it's so accessible. So how would you both recommend people go around pitches? I want a short pitch, <laughs> uh, just to go straight into it. That's kind of how I got a lot of my work was just like a very direct short pitch. It's not floaty or excessive, like just get to the point. Um, a lot of times, just knowing how much email I get and like just knowing how much email like say our reviews editor gets, we don't have time to read four paragraphs about why you should write for IGN. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> so it's just like if you yeah. could just write a few sentences saying like what you want to do, what you're interested in, samples, and then um, that's it. <laughs> Mine's maybe yeah. too simple, but Lauren, is that what you do or? <laughs> um. Yeah, short pitches, but also very persistent pitches I found a lot of luck with. Because I try to think of the editor as, you know, it could be just Miranda who I'm pitching to. Just a human person who has as much email in their inbox as I do. Um, so there was this one place I really wanted to write for. So I sent them three pitches one week and I didn't hear back. Then I sent them three pitches the following week and didn't hear back. This happened like six times. And then... I finally got a response. They're like, yeah, I love that pitch. Want you to write for us. And that ended up being my piece about Homestuck for CNN mm. back when CNN covered more geek stuff. So that was like one of my, my uh, better bylines ever because that was the only time I've been published in C CNN. But it wasn't that they hated me or thought... Um, I, I mean, basically, the reason they weren't responding is because they didn't see anything that would work for their publication, and honestly, yes. they don't have a lot of time. Yeah. So, if if an editor doesn't write back to you because they're not using it, uh, I I mean, I had to learn don't get don't don't get your feelings hurt by that. They they're people. They're just trying to skim through 
for the things that will actually help them, and they will publish that. If they are going to use your piece, you will hear from them. But if you get a if you get turned down, that's actually pretty rare. Miranda, do you turn people down, or do you just archive it? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, sometimes I don't like. I definitely try to read every email I get, but I try to reply when I can. Um, for the most part, I think I usually do, so long as it's not like busy seasons. Um, but I know for a fact that our uh, features editor does not reply when he does not like a pitch simply because he doesn't have mm-hmm. time because he receives so well, many Well, it sounds like he must sounds like he must personally hate each of those people. No, no, he's just <laughs> very busy. <laughs> and it's just mm-hmm. a thing to consider too. It's like it's it's never personal. No. It, this is all a business transaction. Yeah. And what you said earlier Lauren about how it's the it's it's not a good fit and as a result you might just not reply to something cuz it's not a good fit. I have done that on NFM before. And it makes such a good impression to me when people follow up with something new. And that just says, okay, they want to be a part of the publication and they constantly have new ideas. You know, this is great for me. And we're now at a point with Anafem where we do have repeating writers. So for a while we were having a new contributor every week and it was it was always new people. Now we're starting to go back and we have kind of a bank of reliable writers. And if there's something that I want written on something that's in their wheelhouse, I will go to them. So kind of having people who follow up in such a way that it's actually helpful. Yeah, they just rush it off and try again. Exactly. Whereas there are, I just need to ask people across the board, do not tweet at an editor to ask when they're responding to your pitch. Yes, I've seen newbie freelancers do this. They'll either be like subtweeting, never got a response about my pitch or yeah. things like that. That's just how That's just how the business works. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. It is so difficult because, I mean, I've got a real dig my heels in attitude. So as soon as somebody publicly tries to shame me for not <laughs> responding to their uh, pitch. Oh, and then you're like, like, then that does make you respond, right? You're like, that oh, does wow. Make me respond. Wow, I really, I, I'm so sorry. Now I will cater to your every need. That's and a good again, way to make an editor happy. This is a pattern that I've noticed. It does tend to be men. And it, you already had a strike against you, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just such a bad look, generally, too, to like any other person who might accept your work ever. It's just like, I don't know. I like, I like looking at freelancers' Twitters. I like to see what they're talking about, seeing what kind of perspectives they mm-hmm. have and opinions. Um, and if I see someone being disrespectful to like another editor, I mean, just I'm not going to, I don't want to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> But even trying to communicate directly, just tweeting at me and saying, hey, you're getting back to me about my pitch. We have it in our contributor guidelines that if you don't receive a response after a certain amount of time, you're free to send it elsewhere. We we don't have an obligation to reply to you. And I know that sounds awful, but we just don't. Now, as it happens, Dee's in charge at the moment and she replies and she is amazing and so (laughs) on and so forth. But she doesn't have an obligation to. And if she ever gets so busy, that she has to prioritize, that will be one thing that I advise her to cut, is responding to people whose pitches are just unsuitable or who they themselves are unsuitable. We have had people pitch us and we've gone to check them out and their blogs have had sexist content on it. Hmm. Well, of course, we're not going to give our platform to somebody who uses their own platform for those purposes. So we're never going to accept your pitch. And the more you hound us about it, the less likely we are to be nice about it. So it's there's all sorts of good reasons to not do this in public. Use email. I've had some people have some success with me through DM, but usually on Twitter DM, but usually because we've already got a relationship. So they can get in touch with me by DM and say, hey, I'm just checking up on this. And I, I don't like that's not a problem at all because I already know them. Mm. But just if you don't know the editor that you're talking to, then be really careful how you approach them on their personal lines of communication. I think in general yeah mm-hmm. that's just polite it's just polite and it's been a real kind of source of frustration for me because usually if I'm not responding to emails in a timely fashion it's because stuff's going on and I'm already feeling guilty and I'm already feeling angry with myself and not keeping on top of everything and adding f- like fuel to that flame it just makes me feel worse so it's it's just such a negative impact overall and no it doesn't make me more likely to go and tend to your pitch immediately now, there are some people, I should be really clear, there are some people who've had legitimate complaint for me not responding to things in a timely fashion where we've already started communications. And those people in general have been so understanding and so accommodating that it's made me want to help them even more. And I have offered to pay those people, I've offered to pay them double. 
and I've said to them, look, I really want you to work for us, so please pitch me immediately and we will fast track it. Like that is how I have treated the people who've been understanding towards me as a as an editor who doesn't always answer email, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really and, the like, the the risks of being being awful to an editor are um, very high and the rewards yeah. <laughs> of being very nice to an editor really yeah. pay off. I think so. And like even, you know, obviously Miranda doesn't have control of the budget the way I do, so there may not be the, the kind of financial reward, but presumably Miranda, if you have a freelancer who's been particularly kind of easy to work with, that will make you want to work with them all the more. Oh, yes. Very much. Um, we certainly have a few <laughs> friends. It's like my go-to person. Like I know this person's reliable. I know they're easy to work with. They can work with tight deadlines. Um, I can get in contact with them easily. Like if you're just available and positive and receptive, then it's like I want to work with you. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is actually how I get most of my work because if I spent all my time pitching brand new editors and brand new publications, I would go nuts. I mean, that takes a lot of time. Um, time that I could be spending writing and making money. So most of the work that I do as a freelancer is for a couple different recurring clients. And Mm -hmm. the way I got those is just by being available year, like week after week for years. And so they always, so, so I actually have a client who has a guarantee. They give me three articles a week that I can, that I can write for them. And that that is a, it's very nice to have steady income where I'm not constantly pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely happened to me too. Um, for Neo, I I started pitching features and I pitched features for a few months and they got accepted. And then the editor just said to me, "Like, how would you like to review something next time?" And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be absolutely fine." And so I did reviews for a few months, and it was just like the the deadlines were always really tight, and I had to work very hard to meet them like sometimes it was like 48 hours you know can you review the series you've never seen okay (laughs) oh that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) there were that has happened a few times and i'm like okay i can do all-nighters this is not a problem (laughs) i I think though with this we're talking about the progression from a um newbie freelance career to an intermediate or like advanced freelance career like you you start out pitching uh, trying to be polite, meeting meeting people for the first time. Every single time you pitch, it's like it's like your first interview. Yeah. Um. It, it's, and then um after after a while, what most freelancers end up as is one, they get a salary job, or maybe even get promoted for, to editor like Miranda, or they just become very recurring, so they're not pitching constantly. And, yeah. you know, because pitching is incredibly time consuming. Like it's it's absolutely your way in. But when I was full time freelance writing, half my time was spent pitching and I didn't make enough to live on even spending like half my days pitching. I think that's something people underestimate is that you there's a lot of time you're going to be working to sell yourself in the early days where you, you cannot generate revenue from that. Like you can't make any money from that. You're just pitching. Right. So the actual time you have to work in a day and do stuff that does bring money in is limited by that. So the sooner you can get that stage out of the way, the better. Yeah, and the end goal isn't, as some people think, like to make $70 on this one feature and then maybe next week pitch another $70 feature. Yeah. It's more like I um, to get recurring work, to be on yeah. staff. Yeah, I've definitely gone from freelance to salaried before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now my freelance is really only sustainable because I have all these recurring clients. And it's taken years of just being there whenever they call, even though I've had, like, multiple positions over the <laughs> years. Um, just just uh, building up a, a rapport over a really long time of being reliable and having, like, zero grammar um, problems. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just generally being nice. They don't care, like, if I have bad opinions about anime, really, or... <laughs> They just, is like, okay, is it on time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we certainly have those people at IGN that, like, I can just think of off the top of my head who are reliable in that over the course of a few years that we've just continued to use more and more and more. Um, and we use those certain people all the time because we know they will be reliable and that we can count on them for quality work. So if you get yourself there, good spot. And you don't have to be 
a paid writer to prove your reliability. So something yeah. Lauren mentioned is running running the Otica Journalist blog for eight years. And you've updated that every week almost without fail, I believe, for those years. Yeah. Um, well, you have for the a last, regular schedule. Yeah, for the last three years, I've updated twice a week. And then before that, I updated it um, three times a week. Wow. And um, yeah, there, there's been like two or three hiatuses in the eight year history. <laughs> wow. But it, yeah, so people can go to that and be like, oh, it looks like Lauren knows how to keep a schedule, even though the stakes are very low. Like, who's going to be mad if I don't update Otaku Journalist? Really just me. But even when the stakes are low, it shows that I know how to stick, stick to a plan, how to um, research and post in a timely manner. Yeah. And how to generate ideas as well. I think that that's something that shows. And you don't have to, you don't need anything for this, right? You just need a WordPress blog. Yeah. Just get on there, just start writing, yeah. figure out your own voice, figure out your perspective. And that's something that I think we should maybe talk about a little bit because for, for people from marginalized communities, you already have this unique perspective. Like it's, it's so underrepresented and you can like there are there are a sea of blogs out there anime blogs by cis head white guys absolutely tons and you know some of them are going to be more to your taste than others and some of them will click with you more than others but you just by who you are instantly have a different perspective to that sea of blogs mm-hmm. and so i think like I, I scheduled to talk about this a little bit later but imposter syndrome i think is worth addressing um, I took five months to pitch my first article because I was I suffered from imposter syndrome so badly. And it was actually how I met Lauren. Yeah. I, I got in touch and I said, I need to get over imposter syndrome. Have you ever written on it? And she was like, yes, absolutely, I have. And we became friends from there. Oh, no, um, I've been freelance writing for years. I still have imposter syndrome. So if yeah. you tell me how you find out how to get over it, you know, you know <laughs> let me know too. And you won't, and that's the thing I think people need to realize is you won't get over imposter syndrome, but you can build up a little bit of confidence that you are marketable and that you have things that people want to hear. And a blog is a great way to do that. So don't feel like you need to kind of hold back from this or anything. And if you're worried about the the potential attention of, of a blog or anything like that, come and post through Anime Feminist. We will support and protect you as best we can. And then if you get a taste for it, and if you like the response you get, maybe you can start your own blog off the back of that. We'd be more than happy to support you in that too. We publish people anonymously or pseudonymously as well. Absolutely can. And so I think we need to talk a little bit here about creating your own content. Yeah. Um through blogs, podcasts, YouTube, whatever, in such a way as you're comfortable with, just as a way to kind of give you that footprint and that helps your foot in the door. You don't need it. You can just approach editors as a nobody like I did and pitch and with a good pitch, you will get results. Sorry, to to touch on that a little bit, at least for iGen, we do prefer people have samples. Um, It is a little hard for us to just accept people who haven't written before. Um, just because yes, it is a lot of teaching and unfortunately we just don't have time for it we are even though we are a bigger outlet we don't have as much staff as i think people think we have um and so a lot of our assigning editors or people who are in charge of freelancers like myself are end up being incredibly busy and we do want some people who are, are just a little bit more proven so like even having a blog like you don't necessarily have to be published by another publication just having something to show that you can write and that you can prove that you have the ability to write and complete sentences with good grammar and good spelling is what we're looking for, really. I should say, actually, you know, I say I came in as a complete nobody. I used samples from my blog at the time to to kind of demonstrate that. Yeah, just to kind so, of yeah, you're absolutely kind of right. narrow on that point a little bit. It's like, yes, you don't have to have been published at some huge place, but also make sure you have something to show that you can write. Yeah, absolutely. It's again, it's not a requirement for anime feminists. I think we're quite unusual in that. Yeah. Every yes. other publication I've pitched to has required experience. The reason is because we want to widen accessibility and opportunities for people from marginalized communities. That's pretty unusual. So yeah, you can do whatever you can to build up your your footprint through a blog, through your personal network, and, and all like, of that. Miranda, you don't care if someone got paid for that clip. No. You just care if it has good grammar, yeah. spelling, shows that they know the topic. Yes, it's just that's we want to know that you can write, essentially, and write about an idea. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we want to know that we can work with you on creating something that will work for our site. Um, I have had in the past where I work with freelancers that 
just needed so much time and it's unfortunately just something that I I can't do like I can't train you how to be a writer but I do like if you are just still learning or if you have like a really solid foundation but still need help with some of your ideas I'm really happy to help with that that's the idea of being an editor is like making sure that I can help you clarify ideas and make your piece better but I can't help you start from scratch essentially so one thing that I've done before because I've, I've got freelance working freelance work outside anime as well and I don't have a blog for that and I have no footprint whatsoever I have no community um and what I ended up doing was actually writing samples specifically for that outlet and attaching them as my proof that I could write is that something that would work for you that is wonderful that's great yeah (laughs) it doesn't what what you write doesn't have to have been published it's just like I said, just something to show that you can write. Just so that we know yes. we don't have to just take your word for it because we can't necessarily always do that. Although your emails are a good indication. Yeah. So don't don't screw up the spelling in your emails, please. We have we have pictures like that with spelling and grammar in the email is bad. And it's like, we want to work with you. But like you say, you need to know that people kind of have a baseline competence writing in English. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I actually really suggest if you use uh, Google Chrome to install Grammarly that will help you yes. a lot oh absolutely yeah. yeah i can't believe how much that's helped me yeah exactly the same me too <laughs> <laughs> you only have so much time to look over your own work uh-huh. in terms of the practicalities just while we're on that topic so when when somebody approaches a publication like how would you recommend they choose publication lauren you you do this for a living how did you approach the publications that you did to become a writer hmm. well these days everyone like just about everyone that I write for now I found through a Facebook group a private Facebook invite only Facebook group called binders full of women writers mm-hmm. I'm sure they started it after <laughs> Mitt Romney said that dumb yeah. thing about binders full of women and um, people will just post things usually editors will post something like um, I need I need people to pitch on this and I started pitching for different things and then once you get your once I get my foot in the door at any place, like I have a good a good experience writing one thing for them, I will keep pitching to that same place. It is so yes. much better to pitch some the the um, you know a place I'm already familiar with and that knows that I did a good job last time. We worked fairly well together last time than it is to convince a stranger, hey, um, you you don't know me, but you know let's see if this works out. Yeah, I mean, there are certain people who, as soon as their name hits the NFM inbox, I'm like, great, another article from them, because I just know that they do good work. Yeah, I think that's kind of how we prefer it. Like, we just would like to work with people that we know we can, again. It's much easier. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's crazy, because freelance is such an erratic, unpredictable job to choose for yourself. So a lot of it is creating your own stability. Yeah. by uh, creating repetition in who you work for, creating creating uh, repeated good performance in what you create, uh, writing a lot about the same topic. Like, I told you I was willing to write for free for Japanator so I could show that I had written about this, this one topic before. Now, let's say I really wanted to break into um, music journalism. I, it's my lifelong dream to interview musicians. Then what I would do is I would start like pitching music blogs for like for free. I would write for free just so I have something. And then yeah. I would move on to maybe pitchfork from there once I have or, or Rolling Stone or whatever and be like, hey, well this is what I've written. Here's my here's my interview with the local guitarist who plays at the Starbucks. Repeatedly um, writing about the same topic and how yeah. when you are trying to break into a new topic. You have you have this this drive, but maybe nobody knows how how good good you are, how skilled you are, and that's when I would recommend writing for free. That is the only mm-hmm. time I would recommend uh, working yeah. for free as a writer. Value yourself, value your time, value your skills, and value your experience. Don't let imposter syndrome win. Yes. Yeah, yes. like now I've written about anime so much. Of course, I wouldn't write about anime for free. Yeah, it was for a very good cause. Yeah, <laughs> anime feminist. <laughs> um. Once you've chosen your publication, so you've narrowed it down, or I say your publication, you do not just pitch to one publication, pitch to many publications. If you want to be a writer and you want to make money out of that, throw the net wide, but approach each of them with a tailored pitch. So how would you choose the topic to pitch to different publications or which topics to pitch on? 
I'm guessing this is another question for me since I'm the one who has to do pitching. Well, I mean, from Miranda as well, like what comes across well to you when you read a pitch, like in terms of the the actual content of the pitch itself? Mm, I want something that's irrelevant. That's my big thing. Yeah, a lot of times we see pitches for older topics um, and just kind of with how our site runs, we don't really revisit really old things unless it's relevant for some reason in the news. Um, And so... Uh, that's maybe a thing I'd be less likely to respond to or maybe just softly turn down if I have time. It's just like, no, that's not really what we want or do. Hey, let's let's walk through this, Miranda. Yeah. I'll pitch you and you tell me why it's, it is or isn't relevant. Okay. I, I want to pitch you about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Uh. <laughs> a very old game <laughs> about that... that <laughs> What console is that even on? Oh man, well, I know it's on PC. <laughs> Let's, but Back but in the day. and my reasoning, Miranda, yes. is I really like the game. Ah, th- so thank are you. Are you gonna approve no, this? No, thank you. <laughs> why? Why not? Why not? It's old. It, it's the thing. It's like, what's like the punchline? Like, why? Why does this matter right now? Okay, here's another. Here's a here's a trickier one. I want to write about um, PT, that scary uh, Kojima game. Mm. And it's October, but it came out like last year, maybe two years ago. So, so this is a trickier one. Yeah, fr- from there, I would be like, well, why PT if it's old and people don't have access to it anymore because you can't download it? Unless you have a PS4 that already has PT. And then, actually, at that point, I just wouldn't even respond because it's old. <laughs> Still, probably. <laughs> yeah, but I would then be like, well, it's almost Halloween. There's new. So then, I, I don't know. Would you not even like try to work with me on that? Like, um, well, what if you made a list of like ten best scary games, Lauren? Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, brought. Bro- so, the idea here is like also you want to pitch an idea, not just about saying you want to write about something. Yeah, too. That's a good point. So just like, unless it is, of course, a relevant thing, and you can't just say, "I want to write about this thing." It's like that's cool. Mm-hmm. write about it. Maybe I, I want to write about Pokemon, and the twist is it's Pokemon's 20th birthday. I, I have no idea how old Pokemon is. <laughs> it's a bit older than yeah. 20. So it's like, it's like, it's old, but oh, it's, it's, it's timely again. We've suddenly found another hook. Yeah, yeah, so if you wanted to write about Pokemon Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon and like you have a good opinion piece on like maybe why it's interesting that we have a follow-up the year after with some sort of maybe updated story and you have an opinion on it, that's awesome. Because it's just about to come out in November. Yeah, and it's like 20 October. years later, uh, Pokemon still relevant to millennials um, because it lets us actually like exchange money for goods and services and take care of <laughs> pets and that we can't fit into our tiny apartments. And what I think what we need to what we need to make people aware of here is you've got to look at how how websites make their money um, or how publications make their money. So what Miranda's talking about is why would somebody click? Whereas uh, our, our, our model's slightly different. So we, we cater to our patrons and we know the kind of content that our patrons want to see. Um, and for example, anything, anything that is about queer women and that is about anime featuring queer women or that queer women have become attached to, like that does so well. So for us, like as long as it's on that topic, it kind of doesn't matter when it came out. But for Miranda, that's hugely important because... Mm-hmm. So it just kind of goes back to knowing the publication you're pitching to, right? Because exactly. we have very yes. different things we can improve. So when it comes to me writing a piece, if I want to write about an old anime that I like and I think I can make up a good headline for it, then I'm going to do it because I get paid to work there and I can do what I want kind of if it's on my own time <laughs> yeah but um so like there's the kicker there it's like well i saw this thing happen it's like yeah but i can take those risks because i'm not paying someone extra to do this but when i'm paying yes. somebody for a piece then i need to know or at least hope that it will do well because i'm taking a bet on it and saying hey i'm using our company's budget to approve this thing Whereas if I'm writing it, I can take a little bit more risks because I'm not paying someone extra to do it. I'm doing it in addition to my other work. Definitely know who you're pitching to. Yeah, and understanding that your writing is commercial. Yes. Your writing is something that you are selling. So it's we, we have this whole rhetoric around writers as artists and there is absolutely a place for that. But if you're freelancing, that's probably not the place. So you need to understand that you're writing as a product and you're pitching it to a company and they want to be able to sell it and make money from it. Yeah. So 
understanding that kind of commercial basis and approaching publications with that in mind, I think is really important and it's something that not everyone does. So we get a lot, um, even even with Anafem, like I say, our patrons, you know, they have like different criteria and because we are only funded through Patreon, we have different criteria for the kinds of pieces that we will pick up on. But we still have, have a case of people approaching us and saying, I want to write about this because this is important to me. And, and like an easy example, and this has happened a few times, this isn't anyone in particular, but we'll get like men emailing us and saying, I want to talk about uh, my experiences as a man in anime fandom. It's like, okay, I understand why you want to talk about this, but that's not that's not going to work with our patrons. Yeah. And I think that it wouldn't take a lot of work to kind of figure out that that's more on the self-indulgent side. Like, I'm sorry, guys, if that comes across as rude, but that, that is how it, how it seems. Amelia, I know for a fact that you will fast forward things if they are timely too. We absolutely definitely makes a difference in whether people are interested in it. If you write something on a currently airing anime or on a simulpubbed manga or on something that's hit headlines recently for whatever reason within A&L Crunchyroll, yes, we will absolutely want to ride that wave and get some more attention. Because even though I say we write for our patrons, we also want more patrons and we want more people to pay us money. So we want to increase our audience. So yeah, if there's a social media wave we can ride, a wave of attention, we will absolutely want to do that. I also have a good request from potential pitchers. It's like, if you can write a solid headline and include that in your pitch, that'd be awesome. I hate writing headlines. Oh, I love writing headlines. Yeah. But once once people know you're good at writing headlines, you become the headline girl. Just <laughs> saying. I mean, that's, that's the hardest no. part and it's so important. It's really hard and I kind of assumed that I could send stuff off and I wouldn't have to write headlines and then the, the editor would send it back and say, great, just add a headline. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> but... I mean, for, for print media, it doesn't matter quite as much. So I've been able to get away with it a little bit. And the Mary Sue like changed my titles pretty much every time. So that really didn't matter. So don't put too much importance on it. Just like be aware that it's something you need to try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For what? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Just for us, it's like super important. It's like if you don't have a good headline, they oh, probably really? won't approve your pitch. Like at <gasps> okay, least like even internally, they're like, okay, well, what's your headline? And so, I mean, wow. that's just how focused our, like, searches and just how our audience reacts to things. And so that's just really, really important for us. So if you can come up with a good headline in your pitch, like, it's not necessarily a requirement. But if you can do that, then that makes you, like, way more appealing. That's really interesting. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, it took, it took me a long time to be allowed to write my own headlines <laughs> for Forbes. Um, I didn't. I didn't have approval, and that's why I, you would see a lot of my pieces with headlines that didn't quite reflect oh. what the piece was about. But were very sensational, like um, Trump uh, supporters masturbate to anime or something. And <laughs> uh, that was not really what the piece was about. But of course, the no. title was was what shared everywhere. And and oh, I don't know. Um, I had a I had an editor who told me that sensational is a good word and we should want to write sensational news no. because that mm. that's the same as news that's newsworthy, news that's oh, no. uh, <laughs> worth reading. Okay. And, but I also ha- this was my same writer. Uh, this was my same editor who said. When I asked him, do you want quality or quantity? Because he was ha- had me write five to seven articles a day. And he said, I want qualanity. I want seven articles a day and they better all be quality. <laughs> and, oh, no. Yeah, so, you seven know. Seven articles a day? Yeah, I was That's I was physically wow. ill by the end of that job. <laughs> wow. That's not unsustainable. <laughs> yeah, it uh... burns you out. I mean, you have to think about the place you're pitching. Is that somewhere you want to write yes. as well? <laughs> like, sometimes people ask for recommendations from me, and I'm like, okay, yes, but do you want to work here? Are you aware of what it's like to be a writer here? Are you aware what they pay and what your output has to be every time you're on the clock? Do you okay. do you want that? If you want that, I will recommend to you. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about money. Because I think people don't know what to expect on that score. So, I mean, we obviously don't need to share specifics. I can for Anime Feminist, but I know that Miranda, you may not be in a position to share that kind of thing. But we can talk ballpark figures. And like for Anime Feminist, we pay $50 a piece, $50 a feature. 
um, and we've been paying $20 for reviews. Um, not externally, that is team only, that's premiere reviews only. We often get people pitching us reviews. I'm like, we don't really do reviews outside premieres um, yet because we can't afford to pay everyone for everything. So we'd rather prioritize features. Um, but these, I mean, these numbers, they're low, but they're within what I've experienced from professional publications. And we actually had a conversation in the team at the very, very beginning when it was a, a bigger team actually. And there were a number of people in there who had freelancing experience. And we kind of batted around numbers for a bit and said, you know what, $50 is a fair starting rate for this publication. I've been paid significantly less at other publications that have been going significantly longer. And I think that's, that's something that people need to expect is that the numbers will not blow you away. When I get paid for anime writing, it is really just for my pride to be like, okay, I am a paid writer for this <laughs> yes. publication. It is a pittance, but it lets me say, no, I don't write for free about yeah. anything. Um, yeah, but for my technical writing and for my, my writing for my long-term clients, I usually make $300 an article. That's it. So, and I think mm -hmm. if you want to be a self-sustaining full-time freelance writer, you cannot do that through anime alone like not freelancing you just the mm -hmm. money isn't there so you need to oh, Miranda, oh sorry, sorry yeah ahead. whenever i was freelancing like that was definitely the part-time job to my part-time job <laughs> in school like it yes. was definitely the this is the thing that i do to make a little extra money but it's mostly there to prove that i want to do this thing for a living yeah Aww. absolutely and like even now the writing that i do now i mean there are publications that i've written for and never invoice the mary sue is one of them so i got like plenty of flack off articles for that and i never even got oh, paid geez. for it um but then they're, they're not the only ones though i'm just really really bad at invoicing yeah you have to be um, really good at invoicing if you want to be a freelancer you are the only person who will make sure you get paid the, the mary sue is not going to call you up and be like Hey, no, just checking exactly. if you got paid. I mean, not because they're mean, but because they have so much they're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It's 100% my responsibility. And I've, I've fallen down on that responsibility for multiple publications. This is one reason amongst many that I'm not a freelance writer anymore, except for a few publications that contact me to write for them, not vice versa. So that's fine. <laughs> I'm happy to kind of carry on that because as you say, it's it's something that I love and it's it's a bit of prestige for me. It keeps my hand in the game. Um, but like that's uh, even then that's it's pocket money it's it's just a little bit on the side like I think if you want to make an actual living from it you have to understand that you'll be doing corporate writing oh as your main job I was just thinking Amelia you know my my anime writing that makes the most money is where I'm my own boss and I use affiliate links on Amazon wow. for my site yes. Gunpla 101 I make up to a thousand dollars a month because I just, and I usually write like two or three articles a month or less yeah. and about like that Gundams are cool. And yeah. and I found a different way to supplement that. It's a different model of earning. Instead of having an editor look at my work and approve my work, I have to follow the Amazon guidelines and make sure that I'm not breaking their guidelines in the way that they want to promote and sell products on their site. So, I mean, there's always a boss, I guess. There's always somebody you have to respond to, but there are more ways to make money as a freelancer than going through a publication. This seems like a really good note to like wrap up the podcast on. So let's just look a little bit at kind of alternative methods to get there. So we've talked about pitching. Pitching is a really conventional way to, to do it. But as you've mentioned, just Amazon affiliate links have given you a decent stream of income. Um, Anafem works on Patreon. That's not the way the professional publications tend to work. Um, I think Nick Creamer, doesn't he, he freelances for anime only, I think. Yes, he is one of and... the only people just writing about anime to make a living. Hmm. So he has Patreon, Crunchyroll, Anime News Network. Yeah, and he also has, like, I think what he does is he gets people to pay for specific projects. So I think I've paid him for a project before. Um, and he kind of says if enough people chip in then this is what I'll do and I think he just does that through PayPal um but he'll say do you want me to do a retrospective on this series and people say yes yeah and it works what he's done is very impressive but I you can tell that it takes him a lot of work it takes him a lot of work and I don't think he 
like this is sorry Nick to speculate <laughs> I don't think he makes that much out of you it. don't so think I he think makes 200,000 a year I don't think he makes 200,000 wow a year. I wish um, I made 200,000 a year <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do I wish we made 200,000 a year between us like that would be oh, really oh, nice yeah. as well I think that he he makes enough to live off, but you know I don't know how many costs are subsidized yeah. behind the scenes or anything like that. Like, does he live in a low rent area? Like anything like that, yeah. we don't right. know. We need to get him on the podcast. But I was wondering, Miranda, <laughs> do you make do you make your entire living writing about video games and anime? Yeah, yeah. And that's living the, the dream. I am very very <laughs> lucky to get have gotten my job, um, and I. Like I said, I got to finagle anime in there, and it's worked out really well, and it's actually kind of made me pretty valuable at IGN, just since I didn't really have that before. Um, so I've been... I want to challenge that, Miranda, to say that you've been lucky. That's completely okay, that's, against everything we've that's said. That's true. Here. I'm not just lucky. I also worked incredibly hard since fifth grade yes. to get this job. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And if that's your aim, like, absolutely, that that is something that you can do. I mean, I know that um, you can pitch publications like ann and crunchyroll and they do take on permanent they employees. do yeah they you know, i think frogkun now is a an employee of anime news network uh, a japan correspondent um started off as a blog a very well-kept blog for many years um, mm-hmm. quite a few of our recent hires on editorial have been from freelance not all but a lot of them have gone through our freelancer pool um and of course, we're always just looking for good applicants. I think we actually have a few positions open right now. Um, I know we're looking for a Nintendo editor but and um, some other things. But um, just to quickly note, um, iGen also does have a freelancer ap- application. Uh, so instead of just applying, we also do kind of look for people that we can rely on for like maybe news or um, as opposed to necessarily pitching all the time, sometimes we'll pitch things to our friends, just be like, hey, would you be interested in writing about this? Um, kind of going back to Lauren's thing about having people who are accountable and like just regular, um, we really want that. Um, so if you just look up IGN for lands application in Google, like you'll find it's a form stack. Um, and if you do apply for that, just ping me. Specifically for anime, let me know because um, I think those just go to our signing editors and I don't receive those emails. Um, but if you are interested specifically about freelancing about anime for IGN, just let me know. And say you heard it here. Yeah. That is amazing. That would be amazing yes. to know. And make the uh, title of the email Princess Banana Hill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, don't. Don't. Don't no, do that. Then I'll know. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do that on the application, though. <laughs> that was definitely one of the more bizarre check if the freelancers are paying attention. Yeah, that's so um, good. Signals I've ever gotten. <laughs> Um, Lauren, you also, you do take on writers for Gunpla, right? Yeah. Um, I pay $40 an article almost all the time. Um, and I uh, base that on, well, you know, I, I do a lot of checking of the analytics and how much I can expect to earn. And um, I, I accept pitches and I also accept reviews. Really the most important thing for me, like I will work with their writing as much as I need to, as long as they're a good photographer. Because what sells oh. Gunpla on my site is good photos of Gunpla. So if, mm. if like, I have a, a contributor who ha- has two children under two, like, you know, I'll basically write this, just take the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's plenty of people around that you can pitch to, and I think it is very important just to start pitching. Just, like, don't, don't be too perfectionist about it. Get it to a point where it's a solid standard and send it off. Be perfectionist then- about grammar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be perfectionist mm-hmm. about spelling, grammar, and also make sure that it's tailored to the publication. I meet all these things that I would consider hygiene. Like, this is basic stuff. But once you've met those those kind of foundational criteria, let it go. And then, if you don't hear back, follow up with more pitches. Wait a decent amount of time. I'd say you'd want to wait a couple of weeks at least. But then follow up with more pitches. Like, don't follow up to ask, like, repeatedly are you going to get back to my one set of pitches? You can follow up once, maybe twice, but then I think let it go and just offer them something yes, fresh. Yes, and also be conscious of the time you're pitching as well. Um, cert- certain seasons are more busy than others for certain. Like we are about yes. to get into the super, super duper busy time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true for all of us, isn't it? Because uh, the, new, the new anime season's yeah. kicking off. Um, so we're going to have premiere reviews for like, what, two, three weeks. 
Um, and Dee, who, who manages the site now, she's gonna be writing those reviews, so she's gonna be under a fair amount of pressure to do that, and that is more time sensitive, and your pitch can wait. So if you don't hear back, like there are very good reasons why. Mm-hmm. So I think, is there anything else that you would give as advice, either of you, at this point? Any final thoughts that you want to impart? Anything you any, you want to particularly emphasize before we sign off? Just be a good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say something similar, which is be professional. Yes. Professional in the way that I am, where sometimes I will retweet like hentai. <laughs> but I mean professional in a way that I do not burn bridges, and I stay topical, and... Um, I, I don't say negative things about other people. Yeah. And certainly not about my, my um, employers. That's incredibly yes. important. There, there's, yeah. Being professional when you write about anime or games is a little different, but there are some, you know, there are just some common sense rules. And really, it boils down to what Miranda said, be a good person. Yeah, I mean, like, we've definitely let go of freelancers who have, like, said very inappropriate things about our editors or about our publication on social media or boards even. We find those things. Not fun. <laughs> yeah, we we do. We've had people pitch us who have previously slated us on social media. <laughs> so they'll they'll say these terrible things about us and then a few months later they're like, Hey, I've got a pitch for you. It's like I'm I'm so not yeah. interested. <laughs> um I would I think my final thing, it would be over it, it would be imposter syndrome. It would be like recognize when you're dealing with imposter syndrome and do the very best you can to push it to one side and just do the work. Because as soon as you push through and you start getting some success, that'll give you the, the tools that you need to be able to push it aside more easily next time. But I, it shouldn't have taken me five months to pitch my first article. And that was accepted pretty much immediately, by the way. Like it was just a matter of getting over my own insecurities. Yes. And I think don't, don't let your own insecurities stop you from doing something that is so accessible it's so practical there's so much advice out there for pitching we've just given you a lot of advice i think we're all available to answer any more specific questions you may have so don't let yourself stop your one thing i do want to follow up on that is when you do get a pitch accepted and if you receive your piece back with a ton of red marks do not panic that's okay like just for new freelancers i remember when i just first started pitching and I was doing news and then I moved on to doing reviews and I sent a pitch and it was accepted and I was so excited and then I wrote the review and I got it back and I had a panic attack <laughs> so don't worry about oh, it no. it's gonna be yeah fun. it used to hurt my feelings so much <gasps> oh, like yeah. wait I have a master's in journalism why is this happening but there's such a learning curve every time you're working for a new publication yes they have their own style and idiosyncrasies sometimes it's not even that yeah, and I was like, I read the AP style Yeah, book. it's like, I followed all the that. rules. Yeah, sometimes people <laughs> just like to have their writers write a specific way, or they don't like certain phrasing, or, for example, for our reviews, if you write the game, our reviews editor gets so mad. Never write the game, oh, wow. ever. I work for a publication right now that does not let me use you, mm. such as, you don't want this to happen. They just refuse. Right. And it doesn't mean that's wrong. That's not grammatically incorrect. It's just not what this client wants. Right. Yeah, I know there are some there are some uh, some publications that I'll write reviews for, and they'll they'll be comfortable with me using first person. And other publications will not, and they will have their own styles. I think the most editing I've ever done, though, has been for editorial vision, and that's something you have no control right. over. So, I mean, Lauren, you know this from because you've been on the receiving end of it. We worked really hard on your Kjo post. Yes. Um, and we spent a lot of time on that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't mean that I'm a bad writer. No, absolutely I, not. But it meant that I wanted the piece to accomplish something quite yeah, specific. It, it went I, through several rewrites. And and that and not because it, the first incarnation was a bad piece, but I, I kind of knew what message I wanted it to send on behalf of Anime Feminist, because again, you're writing as a product that we're selling. So I, I wanted it to fit something, but I, I clearly hadn't figured out quite the right way to communicate that to you. And that took a little time. Mm-hmm. And then when we got it, it was so satisfying <laughs> and it did so well. And all of that time was worth it. And every time I've spent- Yeah, it took, uh, like, it took three rounds. And what if yeah. I had just been like, Amelia, I've been writing professionally for eight years and I'm really good <laughs> and uh, I'm leaving. I mean, we would have never had anything. You can't let yeah. your ego get in the way because it's usually not about you or your particular skills. It's about yeah. um, accomplishing an editorial vision, meeting yes. the 
in the style of the publication. You have no control over these things and their only way that they can communicate it to you is by you learning the hard yeah. way. And then I think whenever you get that piece back, you just do your best to learn from those edits. Always learn from your edits. Edits are a good yes. thing. Yeah. They are a good thing. And as long as the, like, I think the fact that they're willing to take that time on you is a good sign. So Absolutely. if you get that page of red marks or you get that request for a rewrite, like that means that they're willing to take the time to look at your work again and they won't say oh you know what I don't think this is going to work out after all which is always an option and it's an option I've used once or twice um, when I just I can't see a way to shape the piece into what we've wanted but as a result we've actually changed our entire process so that we get more clarity at the outline stage so it's even then it was not the writer's fault it wasn't a bad sign and we've since kind of made lots of efforts to kind of continue working with that writer so it's yeah it's really don't take it personally at all yeah that's what the theme of this podcast has been freelance writing it's not really about you when you don't <laughs> get a response to your pitch or you get a lot of red marks or you don't hear anything at all <laughs> it's just i think it's again because we have and tired and mad <laughs> i do think it's because we have this rhetoric of the writer as the artist mm -hmm. and and i think that's really easy to absorb but it doesn't have a place in this particular area of writing for money. Like freelancing is so commercial and it is so impersonal and it is so much more about kind of marketing yourself and your mm. work than it is about artistry. And if you get to a point where you build up enough of a footing with a publication that you kind of can pitch them something that is more of more of a passion project, that it is a bit more self-indulgent, you think maybe won't do so well commercially, but because you've kind of earned your spot, you can maybe pitch it to them as this is something I really believe in and I think the people who do read it will love it. You may have a bit of leeway at that point, but you have to work up to get to that point. So, I think should we wrap it up there? Yep. That... <laughs> Before we bring up another thing, <laughs> <laughs> we all have other things to say. But like I said, we're we're all on uh, Twitter's. Probably is Twitter the best place to to contact us with like questions, or would email be better? What do you definitely do you Twitter think? for me? Twitter for me too. I'm at Lauren in space. Same for me. I'm at actually I'm Amelia. At Havoc Gross, and that's Havoc with a K because I was a stupid thirteen year old. <laughs> I, I think there's a whole generation of people who are going to be like have these professional personas under the, the Twitter handles they picked when they yeah, were 13 yeah let's not talk about it <laughs> <laughs> so you can tweet any of us with questions we'll be more than happy to help I know my DMs are open I, maybe Lauren's and Miranda's are too but just yeah get in touch if you're especially if you're not a cishet white guy and you want to get into this field and you just feel like you like it's not accessible please do yes, get please. in touch because i really want to impress upon you that it is absolutely open to you and you are as capable as anyone else and if you're a cis white guy doing this as well you are more than welcome to contact me too but you probably need a little less support in this area if my experience is anything to go by so i will wrap it up there thank you so much both of you for the participating and to everyone for listening you can find more of our work on www.animefeminist.com you can find us on Twitter at Anime Feminist. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash animefem and Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. We do have a Patreon, which we've discussed this episode in great detail. Um, that's patreon.com slash animefeminist. All of the money that we raise is used to pay the people who work on the site, including our writers, uh, administrators, editors, audio editors. Um, it, it is all about making sure that people get paid for their work. So if you believe in this too and you like what we do, and you can spare a dollar a month, it really does add up. So please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist. And if you can send us $5 a month, you'll get access to the Anime Femme only Discord to be able to speak to other people in our community. So please, patreon.com slash animefeminist, send us whatever you can afford to support our work. Thank you so much again to Lauren and Miranda for joining me today. And if you have any further questions on this one, please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you.